0: Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. So Luke chapter 12, this whole parable is really set up when someone approaches Jesus with a question, with a request. It's found there in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me to judge or be an arbitrator between you? Now, it's not that this is not important. That's not why Jesus came. You know, you have one brother who's mad that he doesn't get as much inheritance as the other brother. But Jesus not, is I'm not, I'm not set up to be the judge. That's not what I'm not, not at least in this part. He comes judging later, but not in this part. But he uses this to launch in to the story of the parable of the rich fool, it's called. Luke twelve fifteen. And then he said to him, to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Watch out, be on guard. This be on guard is not just standing there just to make sure no one steals something. This, watch, this, this guarding, this watch out, is a positive action to ward off a foe. That's what this means. It means to be very proactive, not reactive. It it means moving forward, not just bracing for yourself for something to come. Because this greed that's coming is meant to bring harm to you. That's why Jesus says it in that way. Be, watch out, be on your guard. This is coming at you. All kinds of greed is coming at you. Now here's the thing about greed. Greed is basically downplayed, it's condemned on all levels. No one other than Wall Street and the movie Greed is Good type thing believes that greed is a positive thing. In two thousand eleven we had the whole Wall Street occupy Wall Street because greed, greed, greed of, of corporate America. In today's political climate you have the poor claiming that the rich are too greedy, they're taking enough, and then there you have the rich saying, wait a minute, the poor want what they haven't heard taken from us. You even have millionaires calling out billionaires as greedy, which I think is hilarious that a millionaire is calling out greed of a billionaire. It's just greed comes in all different forms. And how many kinds of greed? I don't know. There's no list. There's all different things that are described in the Bible of how many kinds of greed there are. There's a book called Godonomics, which is written by Chris Hovind. And he lists four different types of greed. Now, there may be more, but this list is as good as any. But I like how, what he said in his book. He said this. Greed is like a termite. It's out of sight, but boring deep into our hearts. It doesn't attract attention as it eats away at our ability to be generous. Greed. Now, he says four different kinds of greed is this. One is hoarding. Now this is not hoarding in the sense that we think hoarders and shows are made about it where you know you have to walk through a narrow passageway down the hallway or garage because they just take so much stuff. That is hoarding. But this kind of hoarding is very specific. It strikes at those, and this could be you, no pointing, no elbowing, those who are very disciplined, those who are very organized people, those who love to save, I mean, you may have your first dollar you ever made framed on your wall. It's not that that's bad. You should save. I mean, you apply the principles of Ramsey. You should have a $1,000 fund for this and this. You should save toward retirement. (laughs) That's not what this saving is. This greed is different. Greed in the life of a hoarder leads him to believe that he cannot be generous with his money. Until he has set aside enough money to ensure a comfortable retirement, it's not about a person who saves. It's not about a person who's giving toward his retirement fund. I say we give to our retirement fund every month. This is about the person that just continues to pile it away without being willing to be generous in any other way because his focus is, I have to make sure of my future, taking care of me now, before I can ever be generous, and I'll do that later. A hoarder is one who's very insecure about the future. He feels his first responsibility is to himself. And then if and when it comes about, he can be generous. That is a greed. Another form of greed is overspending. That's the person that kind of confuses the need with wants. I want it now. Therefore, I will spend what's necessary to gain that then there's the comparison keeping up with the joneses that i have to look at oh this person has a new car this person has this this person has a new motorcycle i mean it's easy to get into that well I, man my bike's man, my bike's 20 years old I, I would love to have a new bike and then we start to compare and then we try to keep up with the joneses that is another form of greed and the last form he talks about is entitlement we see that a lot today is you know, they're entitled to this even though they didn't earn it even though they've done nothing toward it they believe they're entitled to it and we see it in action all the way out. i don't have the money to buy it but somebody else has the money and they should buy it because i deserve it again another form of greed that's why ecclesiastes five ten says whoever loves money never has enough Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. It's like the old saying, how much is enough money? Just a little bit more. First Timothy, Paul puts it this way, 1 Timothy 6. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and tend into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money that's evil. It's the love and what it can bring upon you. Some people eager for money have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And now what, what Jesus is going to do, he's going to use a story. He's going to tell this because he says, guys, you've got to watch out. You have to watch out and guard yourself against this greed because he says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. A man's life. Now there's two words in the Greek for life. One is bios, which basically means living, organic. You're not dead, it's life. It's biological. The other is Zoe, which means, and in which is the word Jesus uses here satisfaction, fulfillment, enjoyment, meaning, and purpose. Life. All that makes life worth living. Jesus is saying. Man's life, all that makes life worth living, is not consistent in his abundance of possessions. That's why Jesus came. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. (coughs) It does not consist in the abundance of possession. Abundance means more than enough. If we define life as the acquisition of material possessions, that this is what it's all about, we fall into one of the deadliest sins of where we, we're basically serving the creature rather than the creator. We begin to serve money rather than God. Now Luke 12:16 is where Jesus talks about the parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good Now, a rich man. This is not speaking against those who are rich. This is not what this is about, his richness, that he was a wealthy man. Money, as we said, is not evil. Money is basically paper and metal that we establish a value to. And how we use this money is what we then turn and value. What you do with your money shows what you value. I know what you value. Give me your checkbook and I'll tell you what you value. Give me your bank statement. Those things that you put your money towards is what you value. Money is not evil, but it's what it can do to you that is. That's why, again, the main idea here is it's not about how much you have. It's what you do with it. Now, you may say, well, I'm not rich. I don't fall into this category. This parable is not about me. Guys, on a world standard, if you live on welfare, you are rich. So we all fall into this category. And it's not that he had a bad thing happen, that his land produced a good crop. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Every farmer wants a good crop. My dad worked with farmers all the time. It's always great to have a great crop. It's always great that your business is prospering. It's great that you get a job promotion. And all of a sudden you get a raise in salary. It's great that your investments are are, are doing well. It's not speaking against those. This is not about the evil of what a good crop, financial blessings can do. It's what it does to us. Verse 17 says, Now he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops great idea you come upon it, uh, more money than you knew that was coming that's a great thing you stop and think what should I do with this you start making a list you consult you do all those things that's what you should do but that's not what he did because where it goes there is verse 16 then he said to himself this is what I'll do I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones And I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Four times, it's what my. Eight times, all about I, is about me, myself, and I. As an old poem goes, I had a little tea party this afternoon at three t'was very small three guests in all just i myself and me myself ate all the sandwiches while i drank up the tea Twas also i who ate the pie and passed the cake to me he never saw beyond himself it was all about him what he could do and we even see the first biblical storage unit if you will because I'll tear down all my barns, it said, and I will put all my grain in it and all my goods. All the stuff that he had been storing up. Truthfully, I guess if we're honest, we all do that. If we're honest, I I do that. Now, there may be some of you who never think about what I can do with this. Now, I may mention sometime last year that I've been working on an invention. I, I actually got a patent. So I have an official patent. On something that I believe God gave me years ago, an idea. I've, we've worked on models of it. We're at up to number seven now, and we're at that stage of, do we produce this ourselves? Do we sell the idea or what? But I remember coming home with Olaf five, the fifth prototype, and I set it on the table in the kitchen, and I looked at my wife and say, boom, I put it down. And I said, there's your beach house, honey. Now, I instantly repented, Lord, I don't really mean just a beach house I mean would I like a beach house would my wife love a beach house of course we would but it's it's natural that our first thought's going to go what can I do with it but what's our second thought do we entertain a third thought do we even approach God with the thought of what should I do with that which God has given me well here's the deal he's rich he's already fully supplied Rather than doing something with it, he chooses a way to hold on to it. Again, if your first thought's going to be that, oh, man, I could get this, I could get this. I'm not saying that's evil. I'm not saying that's sinful. But if that's all you go to, if that's where you stop, then greed is becomes an issue. It's like the old Roman proverb, money is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. Luke 12, 20 says this, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Now, it's a big thing when God calls you a fool, but why was he a fool? Because he deemed that a life of living and securing abundance for a future that he didn't even know he had to live this high life. To to live high on the hog forever. You're a fool because you're planning and holding on to something that you have no control over whatsoever. Psalm 39.6 Man is a mere phantom. He goes to and fro. He bustles about but only in vain. He heaps up wealth not knowing who will get it. Again Bible talks about our life is but a mist. Our life is just but a a breath. And it's we have no guarantees of what it's going to be. And that's the real stupid thing of this rich farmer here. The rich man's assurance was in a future that he had no control over. Because God required his soul. There is going to be a day, people, that we will have to stand before God. It could be today. It could be many, 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 many years from now. But that day will come when we, our soul, will stand before God and have to give an account. And this rich fool never saw beyond this world. It's like this epitaph on a tombstone. Here lies John Rackett in his wooden jacket. He kept neither horses nor mules. He lived like a hog and died like a dog. And he left all his money to fools it's not about how much you have it's what you do with it verse 21 the parable closes this way this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God rich toward God now what does it mean to be rich toward God It's the opposite of laying treasures for yourself in heaven, that's for sure. It's the opposite of treating money as though it were just to gain things and not to be rich towards God. It means counting God as greater riches than anything on this earth. It means earthly riches is how we show how much we value God. The issue isn't that man's fields the issue isn't that man's fields prospered that's not the issue here the issue is that God ceased to be his supreme treasure so how do we guard against the hazard and maximize the helpfulness of money how do we be proactive and not reactive John Piper uh, gives a list of a few things here. I love what he says. First, read, study, and see how God is the ultimate treasure we should seek. Again, drumbeat that I'm gonna keep pounding. You gotta be in the word. That's gonna influence, that's gonna affect, that should help us in our actions toward things. It'll help us see what Paul writes in Philippians 3.8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ the second thing is to pray pray that this would free us this knowledge of who Jesus is when we read the scripture pray that it'll free us from the love of money because guys that's never really going to go away it's always going to be a struggle that's why be proactive be out there ready it's going to come at you one way or another all of a sudden one day you're here and the next day you're you're flush man everything's going fantastic so be aware be on your guard pray that this knowledge is going to help you with your love of money now some of you are more bent to that than others some of you God blesses you touch it it turns to gold fantastic the thing is the danger of that which it creates is the ability to gain more stuff and leaving God at the wayside Number three, put your trust in God's promises for every need to be met. Because that's what he does promise. He promises he will meet our needs. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You have all that you need, therefore you can supply the works of God. That's why the fourth point here, set aside regular giving to the church and to the mission efforts. Guys, I do not apologize for the fact that when we ask, guys, if this is where you hang out, if Horizon is your home, you need to support this this place. You need to give on a regular basis. It's how you keep the lights on. It's how we produce videos. It's how we're online. It's how we have staff. It's how we meet needs. It's how we have youth programs. All of that comes from regular giving. So if this is wh- what you call your church home, you need to give to that. But you also need to be in a place where you can give to other mission agencies. I give to Horizon, but I give to d- several different mission agencies that we go. Like I said, we sponsor World Vision Kids. We always are Looking for opportunities of where to put our money, and that is how I keep things in perspective. When God gets the first fruits, there's not a talk about tithing, but when I choose to say, God, this is this is all yours anyways. It's all God's, 100%. I'm just saying, God, I'm giving you this, and I'm always looking for opportunity to give more. And lastly. Put protections in place against bigger barns and turn the prosperity into blessings. If all I'm about is building bigger, bigger, bigger. Now, there's a reason to go bigger. There's a reason to do those things. But it's back to the why. Is it for me? Or is it that I can produce more prosperity to help out in different efforts in the kingdom of God? It's all about my attitude toward those things. And Jesus tells this parable. Jesus its kind of like a wake up call. It's you snooze, you lose because there is going to be this day of reckoning. There is going to be an account that we're going to have to be given. Are we in a place that we're taking the blessings that God has given us and seeing how we can use them for his blessings? Now, he may say, you need to purchase this. You need to buy this. You need to have a house. You need to have a car. But then it's back to, well, which car, which house? I've got to ask those questions and seek the guidance of God because I do not want to be defined by my possessions. And that's what the point of this parable is. We've talked about this term practical atheism. Practical atheist is basically someone who believes that God exists, but doesn't live, live like he exists at all. Well, he says God is there, but you couldn't tell that by where he spends his time where he spends his energy, where he spends his talent, or where he spends his money. Our challenge during this whole chosen is how can I live in such a way that where God is meeting my needs in order that I can turn around and meet the needs of others. And my hope is, is that someday as we stand before him, that's what Romans 13, 11 says, and do this understanding the present time, the hours come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is near now than when we first believe. The day of reckoning when we stand before God, whether we die and stand before God or He ushers us up in heaven. So wake up to that fact, quit sleeping, quit hitting the snooze button, and I'll get around to it later and realize how can I live today that will impact for the kingdom of God tomorrow? It's not about how much you have, It's about what you do with it. Guys, next week, we're going to have Chad come and share. You do not want to miss that. And I encourage you, even as you break this down in your small groups and talk about it, begin to look at yourself. Do I fall into the category of that rich fool who just keeps storing it away for that rainy day when I'm going to retire and I'm going to move here and I'm going to do that? I'm not saying it's wrong to think about that. Then I'm 62. I think about that stuff. But if that's all I'm thinking about, of just retiring on some beach or up some cabin someday, and not thinking about the kingdom of God, that's where God steps in and says, "Don't be a fool," because someday we're going to give an accounting, a reckoning, for how we lived this life, and part of that is how we spent our money, what we, we did with the stuff that He gave us. And so, let me encourage you as you work back through, work through your notes, and look through this which one of those places am i greedy at is it hoarding is it comparing Is it do i believe i'm entitled i mean where is greed attacking me today be on your guard be proactive realize it doesn't go away and when your property blesses you and the crop comes in and the investment comes in i realize we're going to think oh we could do this we could do this we could do this but continue to think What would God want me to do with that which he's blessed me with? Guys, God bless you. Have a fantastic day.